All right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am very excited to be back in the saddle here. I uh, wasn't podcasting on Friday. I, I did a couple podcasts last week, Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, split that Wednesday one up into two segments, actually, and I thought uh, two different podcasts thought that one worked better just because we had so much content and there's just a lot to ta- talk about. But I am here and excited to chat with everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. On this episode, we're going to do two things main- mainly. Uh, the first is we are going to do 23-24 Nuggets and the differences between last season and this season in terms of, hey, here's some fun things that didn't happen during the championship season, as few as those were. Uh, we're going to we're gonna ask some Nuggets fans, and I already did so on X, which I guess we have to call it that now. Um, I'm going to make that joke every time, I guess. But uh, I wanted to be able to chat with everybody and just talk about, hey, there, there's a lot of cool stuff going on. There's a lot of fun things happening and then this season is going to be very fun for Nuggets fans although probably not as fun as winning a championship unless hey maybe you do something crazy but we are going to also rank the top 10 small forwards in the NBA I will go over my criteria and that in the second segment but for now let's get into what Nuggets fans were hoping happens this year and I think that this is one of those concepts that uh, people don't necessarily always appreciate coming after a championship season. That's going to kind of be a slog for a lot of it. There's going to be a lot of stuff that you usually have to deal with that you didn't have to deal with before. And what I'm talking about with that is generally there's more injuries. Generally, there's something else that happens. There's an additional challenge. Maybe it's an, a different opponent that is better than in the previous seasons. Maybe it's the luck not breaking your way and somebody, uh, they get hurt at the wrong time and you have to really survive that. But uh, I think that mostly this upcoming season is going to be very, uh, it, it should be fun. It should be fun given that there's some good continuity with this Nuggets group, but not so much continuity off the bench and with the entire team that you're going to be super frustrated on uh, what actually, like, what we're actually seeing? Oh, it's not the same bad things over and over again. At least there's some new things to complain about and new things to figure out and new challenges that occur. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, if you're watching this, I, I think there's a there's a better internet connection now than there has been before. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this looks like in the YouTube video. But the internet's now better. Everything's all up to speed, so we shouldn't have any more problems with that. And with that being said, let's get into the main uh, first first point of this pod. I asked on Twitter. I got several responses from people, lots of discussion from folks. And there I asked the simple question, what do you want to have happen that hasn't that didn't happen last year? And something more from a positive perspective as opposed to the negative that I was just talking about. And I got several responses. And the main one that I want to start with is All-Star. And I got several requests or several asks and and comments about this. It's Wade started with this one. He says, hey, more than one All-Star would be really cool. That's, That's what you want to see from a championship team. It's very rare that a championship team only has one All-Star caliber player on their roster, or one guy that actually makes the all-star team. I think that this could be the year that it changes, and uh, whether it's Jamal Murray or Aaron Gordon or maybe Michael Porter Jr. has a surprise breakout, I think there's a lot of reason to believe that Denver could get their second all-star this year. Several people beyond Wade had Jamal Murray's first all-star appearance as the one thing that they wanted to see, and I am... Uh, in full full agreement with that, obviously. I think that that would be freaking spectacular, uh, just because he's he's been very close at different at different points. And as good as Denver has been during the regular season, they have definitely been considered a 
Uh, they've been considered a fraud for much of the prime years that Nikola Jokic has been an all-star for good and bad reasons. Like a, a lot of the bad reasons were, oh, people just weren't really paying attention. And so you're not going to get as much notoriety. And so you're not going to get as many people caring about what you do during the regular season. And then there are some reasonable things like, hey, Jamal Murray's out, Michael Porter's out, or they're coming back from injury. Uh, we're going to wait and see. We think that Jokic is just doing everything. So that's the reason why. Uh, I think that this could be the year that that changes. However, I do want to take a quick look here at the all-star roster from last year. This is the 12 players that were voted in by both the fans and the coaches and the players and media and that entire contingent. Coaches always do the reserves, but everybody else kind of votes on the starters. So this is who the coaches basically wanted in. I, I assume they wouldn't have um, ignored Laurie Markkinen or, or Jokic or LeBron or anybody like that that was in the starting lineup. But here's the list. Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Anthony Edwards, John Morant, Dame Lillard, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, De'Aaron Fox, Paul George, LeBron James, Jaron Jackson Jr., Demonte Sabonis, Laurie Markkinen, Zion Williamson, and Nikola Jokic. Um, not included in this list are Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, who were traded from the Eastern Conference to the Western Conference. Uh, obviously, KD goes to the Suns, and Kyrie Irving goes to the Dallas Mavericks. They both made it as Eastern Conference All-Stars last year. So, assumably, they would carry over and at least have some gravitas and some weight that could really bother things. So if you are looking at this and thinking, how does Jamal Murray make it? Or how does Aaron Gordon make it? Or even Michael Porter, how do those guys make it? It's a really tough question because I don't know if guys like Kawhi Leonard or Paul George are, are going to be as healthy and capable this year. Uh, but there are other players that are also coming up as, as well as uh, – the the Nuggets guys in, in Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, and Aaron Gordon. Like there's there's a lot of reason, I think, to believe that Denver could also have won All-Star this coming year. Because the West is so stacked from the star perspective. Like I didn't even mention Carl Anthony Towns or Rudy Gobert, or um if I just look around at some of the younger teams, Victor Wembanyama might get some nod. Uh, like he he might be a guy that a lot of people hope for that 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 they hope get in, but I do think that this is a it's a valid conversation that should be had. It's going to be difficult for guys like Murray and Gordon and Porter to really make a dent. But hypothetically, let's say it's Murray. Let's say he's averaging twenty three points per game and six assists per game. I think the All Star Committee, basically like the the coaching staffs around the NBA are going to look at the playoffs last year and they're going to look at a strong regular season, not necessarily uh, the best regular season, and they're going to vote him in anyway because they know what he's capable of now. I hope that that's what happens. I hope that Jamal doesn't make it tough on them and, and only average like 20 points and six assists again. That would be pretty tough. Uh, but I do think that he's in line for a better regular season. And if that does happen, then it should be his first time. I'm really hopeful. Other things that Nuggets fans were hoping happened during the regular season, or at least the 2023-24 the season. Nikola Jokic averaging a triple-double. That would be awesome. This comes from Luke McClurg. Uh, that would be very, very cool. He was half an assist off of his previous run. And I think that now the pressure is off him from the... like He's... People aren't going to be called racists anymore for voting for Jokic. Like, that's not what's going to happen because of what, like, that's what happens when you win a championship. You get stamped. Like, nobody is, it's not somebody's agenda anymore to try to prop up Jokic just because, like, even if other people don't think that he's that good. Like, I think everybody universally think that he's a, like, the best player in the world for one. Uh, but if he did average a triple-double, I think that he would win MVP, and I don't think he would receive as much criticism in that conversation this year as he, as he did last year. So I'm hopeful that he does. It would be very cool for the sport for him to average a triple-double. 
And for him to do it on way better efficiency than Russell Westbrook, I think would be valuable because like, there have only been two people, I think, in NBA history that have averaged it. I think uh, Oscar Robinson did it, if I'm Robertson, if I'm not mistaken. And then Russell Westbrook did it in his MVP season. And he did it the year after, if I'm not mistaken. So he's uh, obviously very, very talented, but the style of play that it took for Russ, uh, for Russell Westbrook to actually achieve that, it's different from Jokic's style of play. He's always distributing around the ball, and when he's making those decisions, they're good decisions and generally helpful decisions, as opposed to Russ, which where when he absorbs that basketball, it's generally not as helpful. So I think that's great. Uh, Evan McKee follows up and says MV3. It would be very, very cool to see him win a third MVP, and if he led, Steph hasn't won three. Giannis hasn't won three. There are very few players in NBA history that have won three MVP awards. Uh, it is the top of the top. It is a very select group. And once you get into that conversation, then you can talk about Jokic being maybe the best player of this generation, which is nuts. That would be extremely sick. And if that were to happen, I'd be. I'd be very excited to to cover that. Blurry Line says, Reggie Jackson returns to Clipper form and leads the bench in points and assists. That would be great too. I, I wouldn't I, I think that's actually pretty logical to happen. I don't think that Christian Brown is going to outpace Reggie Jackson from a points perspective. I think it's probably going to be about the same. It wouldn't surprise me if Christian Brown gets up to about eight, nine, ten points per game, but asking him to go much more than that, I think would be pretty tough. I don't think that he's going to be taking more shots than that. That's just not his game. It's not his style. I think that Reggie Jackson is going to have to be aggressive and kind of assume the Bones mantle, the Bones responsibility, where a lot of it is going to fall on his shoulders. And if he does kind of lead from that perspective, then the bench is going to need that. They're going to need somebody who can direct, somebody who can really lift up. So I hope that they can do that. I hope that that like, actually happens uh, and that it isn't just a kind of an empty points and assists because you can average the most points and assists off the bench for the team. Like that, That's pretty simple for the point guard and the guy that's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. But if he's doing it efficiently, that'll be the difference. Next, Jason says, Zeke Naji stays healthy and plays a defined role for 60 plus games. That would be great too. Uh, Zeke is in a contract year. And if he plays well, he could play himself into a lot of money. As it currently stands, I don't think anybody's going to be giving Zeke Naji more than like, like he's not getting double digit millions or anything like that because I don't think a team has seen enough of him to fully trust his ability to uh, be versatile as an offensive player, to hit enough jump shots, to also be tough in the paint at the same time. Like, the theory with Zeke is really good. You've got this six foot nine, strong physical player who has enough coordination now to beast around the rim, but also has had like years where he has shot above 40% from three. If he could do both at the same time, and do so without like looking like he's lost, then he's going to make himself a lot of money because a lot of teams could use a small ball five like him and play him some big minutes. Like imagine him on the Los Angeles Clippers as the backup center for Ivisa Zubac. He would be a prime example of a guy that they could switch onto everybody, run a switch heavy system, and then play five out on the offensive end and be very, very good. But that's the theory of the practice rather than what he's actually done so far. And I would at least like I, I want to see it. I do want to see it. I want to see him stay healthy and get the opportunity because I think the potential is there. The problem is, is that he hasn't been able to do that yet. And Denver, like they, they probably aren't going to be able to pay him a ton. So I don't know if they're super upset if he isn't great. They'll just take good at this point. Maxine the Miner says, this is really dumb, but I hope we get better women's gear now that we are champs. It's not dumb, and I hope that they do. <laughs> I hope that it's it's better. I, I won't pretend to be an expert on women's gear and, and what 
people are really worried about and then the, the actual fit of it. But I hope it's good. I hope they have produced a lot better stuff now. And I hope that that's a, that's a priority for the team because, uh, I mean, the Nuggets are for everybody. There's, there's no, there's no discrimination there like, at all. All right. Will says an MPJ triple double would feed families. I do agree with that. That would be awesome. And if you are a Nuggets fan, then I, I think that this is actually a good question here. What is most likely for Michael Porter Jr. to hit the 10th, or like, is it a 10th assist? Is it a 10th steal? Or is it a 10th block? Uh, if we look at his game highs, his season highs uh, in his career, his career high for assists is five. His career high for steals is four. And for blocks is three. So I do think it's probably five for his assists. Uh, and then he actually had six assists in the finals, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, he he's doing great stuff. Like he He can continue to push higher and higher as he gets more comfortable with the ball in his hands. Uh, I don't really expect him to get a triple-double, but you're right. It would feed so many families. The points and rebounds will be there, and they'll probably be there like very consistently. Like I would expect Michael Porter this upcoming season to average about 18 points and 7 rebounds per game. I'm hoping that he averages over 2 assists per game. Like, that's that's where kind of where I'm at with it. I don't expect him to, but... I hope that he does because if he does uh, get the ball moving a little bit more, it was it was funny to see him uh, him respond to Michael Never Passer Junior. I think is what what he said on his podcast. He he should be passing more. I know that he doesn't see any contests, but Denver has to know that when they give him the ball, they'll get it back. <laughs> like that's a that is a completely fair sentiment for involving him more and more in the offense because if he gets better and better as a passer then they'll give him the ball more and more like that's just kind of the natural dynamic of things so hopefully he recognizes that hopefully that's being communicated and uh, I would love to see him handle the ball a little bit more and maybe he gets 10 assists how cool would that be all right one more here top down offense says Jokic Murray and MPJ all averaging 20 points per game within the flow of the offense I don't think this is likely. As I've mentioned, I think that MPJ will probably be at about 18 points per game. I think that Murray will probably be at about 22 to 23. But I do think that Jokic's points is probably going down. He was at 24.5. Wouldn't surprise me if it goes down to 23 or 24 as he continues to try to involve others. I think that the assists are going to keep going higher and the points are keep going lower. Not that he can't score more. I just don't know if he's going to want to. And he has that extra gear, kind of like a Jimmy Butler, where you don't need him to score in the regular season in order to be the best player in the world. He will score when the time comes, and he will average a ton of points when he needs to. Uh, But he won't need to during the regular season. And the best thing he can do more consistently, as consistently as he already has, like he's great. Uh, but the best thing for the rest of the team is to keep getting MPJ's points higher and Murray's points higher. Like I, I think that Jokic wants to share the all-star spotlight. How cool would that be? So maybe it's Gordon. Maybe I think Gordon averaged like 17 this last year. Maybe he averages 18. Maybe he's even better. I don't really expect that, but who knows? Like Maybe, maybe that does happen. Aaron Gordon was at 16.3. Porter was at 17.4. Murray was at 20, Jokic was at 24.5. I think that while Gordon is on the team, he's going to average at least 15 points per game. So it's hard to have uh, three 20-point-per-game scorers when you also have a good fourth score. So I I think that that's where the, the yo-yo has to come from, unless they do more staggering, which they uh, they obviously didn't do a ton of, but... Uh, who knows? The bench being bad and the bench being new might be a reason to stagger more and more. All right. Good stuff from Nuggets fans, obviously. Uh, you guys are always come through. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to chat about the top small forwards in the entire NBA. Uh, should be a good conversation. And I have a 
Surprise Michael Porter Jr. ranking. But first, everybody, you hear that? That's the sound of football coming back. And now is the time to place your bets with Superbook Sports this year. Superbook is the most trusted name in Vegas. And now you can use promo code MILEHIGH to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they'll match your first bet up to $250 with promo code MILEHIGH. Don't miss out this football season. You should make sure to download that Superbook Sports app and they will give you what you need. Uh, if you, you can win some money with Superbook Sports and with that promo code MILEHIGH. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. Can be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. That obviously helps out the channel a ton. If you are watching at this point, thank you so much. I do appreciate it. Uh, We want to continue to uh, share out the podcast and and grow as much as we can. And uh, My guy, Swipe a Cam, also on this channel, doing Nuggets and Broncos coverage for Mile High Sports. Got some good ideas uh, about Swipa, but and and some some good content that we can do. Maybe some in-person content that we can do together. Uh, so would love to be able to chat with him. Uh, the more support you give on the channel, the easier that is to do. So it would be cool if we could make that happen. All right, let's rank the top small forwards in the NBA. This is an interesting position because I think that a lot of these players have kind of shifted around. At one point, the small forward position was one of the strongest in the NBA. Unfortunately, I don't think that it is anymore, although there's still some really quality players. Uh, The problem is that a lot of these other positions, whether it's upsizing or downsizing, the power forward position has become much better because we've seen some of the changing of the old guard. And what I mean by that is players like LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard. All three of those guys play power forward now. They guard power forwards. They do not guard small forwards anymore. They guard each other a lot of the time. And that's kind of a a pretty big deal. But if you're watching this Lakers series last year, Rui Hachimura was inserted into the lineup is more size, but against pretty much everybody else, LeBron James is the power forward. Anthony Davis is the center. That's how I will be grading them. Uh, Kevin Durant was the power forward. Josh Okoge was the small forward for the Phoenix Suns last year. Um, And then DeAndre Ayton was the center there. And then Kawhi Leonard, that one is more ambiguous because the Clippers are this amorphous mass that like they have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and Ivisa Zubac, and they surround those guys with different pieces at different times. Um, like sometimes they'll be guards, sometimes they'll be forwards. Marcus Morris starts for some reason for them, but I think I guess Marcus Morris would be your power forward. Kawhi Leonard is your small forward at that point, but he spends most of his time, whether it's in staggered lineups or closing lineups in the power forward position. So I moved him there. I'm, I'm just like, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not going to do this. I, I'm just going to move him. So it is a weaker position now than it was previously. But I do think that the criteria still stands. You are who you guard. And the player that impacts the game most positively during both the regular season and the playoffs, that is the guy that I'm going for here. That is the player that I think makes the most sense. Um to be ranked at at the top of the list. So there's a few guys that are going to separate themselves on this list, but then there's a group kind of in the second half that I think you could mix and match between all of them. And we will get into that in just a second. I think that we should start with Luka Doncic. Lots of people were confused why I didn't rank him as a, as a point guard. That's fair. He handles the ball a ton. I understand that he's the offensive point guard, probably even more so than Kyrie Irving. 
on the Dallas Mavericks, but I just decided that universally I'm going to try to do this so that the player who is on the floor that that are that's on this list is going to be like at the position that they're guarding the most as opposed to the position that they play on offense. Um I think that keeps players like sized a little bit more and it, it makes things easier to me to actually grade them and rank them, put them in tiers and put them in positions and things like that. So Luca's number one and he's deservedly number one. There's only one or maybe two other guys that you could really argue here. But when I was doing my ultimate list, uh, one that I'll probably share out later this summer, Luca was in tier one along with Jokic, Giannis, and Steph. Like, Luca was the only other guy there. And maybe he's closer to Tier 2 than he is to those guys. I don't think so, though. I think that Luca's fantastic. I think that he carries a ton of burden. I think that what he does to lift up everybody else around him is insane. And he deserves a ton of credit for what he does for Dallas, where they basically stripped that roster dry this last year and said, hey, Luca, you have to do everything. They did trade for Kyrie Irving. I don't think that that was the right call. I don't think that that was the right move for them. But they're now starting to kind of figure things out and, and will probably be better. But it doesn't change the fact that Luca's insanely dominant. I don't have to tell anybody why he's this good, how he's this good. Like It's pretty clear. He is going to be an MVP candidate for the next decade, probably. And as long as he takes care of his body, as long as he stays in uh, good shape and does what he can to, I don't know, does does like, if he's, if he's on a good team, like he should be part of the good team. Uh, but as long as the Mavericks don't screw anything up around him, uh, he should be in MVP conversations and finals MVP conversations for the next decade. I really do believe that. Number two. Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is a very talented player. I struggled between him and Jimmy Butler. I decided to go with Tatum. I think that what he does defensively across the board is really, really impressive. And you could basically have him guard everybody two through four or switch on to uh, standard point guards. And he will hold his own in a lot of ways. And being 6'8", six, 6'9", very athletic, uh, very versatile. That helps. That helps a lot. And the context with which he is good, like he, he will be good on every single team. Jimmy Butler will also be good, but I think that there is a version of him that has to be built around and has to be catered to, and it is limiting. So as long as Jimmy's playing at peak powers, like he's great. But with Tatum, I do think that he would fit in everywhere. I really do believe that. Like, he'd be a great second star next to Jokic. He'd be a great second star next to Steph or Luka or any of these guys. I do think that there are some weaknesses in his game that take him out of the Luka tier. But I honestly, like, it, it's it's tough because he is so polarizing. And he also did just lose to Jimmy Butler in the Miami Heat uh, this last playoffs and hasn't been fantastic when it comes to playoff success like he's had some good playoff moments and he's also had some meltdowns so it's hard to know who he is but in the last two years he has a 46 point performance on the road and he has a 51 point performance in a game seven against the Philadelphia 76ers just isolating Joel Embiid half to hell so I don't know who he is I think that he is a like he's approaching tier one but I think that he's tier two but I think I'd take him over Jimmy Butler. I, and especially for this upcoming season, I think he will be better than Jimmy Butler. Next is Jimmy at three. As I mentioned, uh, he is uh, he's awesome. Like I know Nuggets fans probably didn't see the best of Jimmy Butler in the finals, but that run that he was on up through the finals was incredible. Just unbelievable. And he deserves a ton of credit for carrying Miami in a situation where Miami should not have been there. Like they lose Tyler hero for the entire playoffs, basically uh, game one of the first round. And it just doesn't matter. Jimmy Butler just turns it up and does crazy stuff. 
kicks the Bucks' ass like up and down the floor. And maybe that's something that Jason Tatum could have done. Maybe it's not. Um, I do think that Jimmy has lost something defensively. I think that as he gets older, he gets a little bit slower and he's playing even more power forward now. So I could have even slid him to power forward based off of the way that he plays. But I think that they would call Caleb Martin the power forward over in Miami. So I'm going to leave it here. But Jimmy's great. He deserves a ton of credit for being the all everything that Miami needed him to be. Bam did step up and did some great things, but Jimmy deserves a lot of that too. Now we drop down a tier and Paul George is in this one. Paul George has obviously not been the most healthy. He didn't finish the season this last year and that is a problem. It's a consistent problem that he's had ever since uh, arriving with the Clippers that uh, along with Kawhi, those guys have never been healthy at the same time. And that is a reason to dock it. Like, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that Paul George deserves to be in the upper tier, even though he was for a long time. Like, he wasn't that version. And he probably should not have been voted in as an all-star this last year. He made some good plays in January and February, but... I just I think that Paul George is dropping down a tier. I think that he is, and I think that the Clippers themselves, like they they're finding out really uh, blaringly that Paul George as the second option of the team is not good enough, and maybe that's a roster construction issue. Maybe that's a Kawhi Leonard issue as much as it is a Paul George issue, but his defense hasn't been at that peak level that he grew up as a, in this league. I don't think that he is like, like he's great. Like he's still a very, very good player and clearly he's making all-star teams still. So it's not like he is trash or anything like that. He's not. Um, but I do think that he has peaked and he is now declining and I don't know where that's ultimately going to take him, but it's kind of like a Chris Middleton. I think that Paul George is now dropping down, whether it's due to injuries or due to uh, just natural decline. Number five, Brandon Ingram. Uh, he is in the same tier as Paul George. I think that like, like these are all-stars. These are all-star caliber players. Ingram is also one of those guys that you don't really know what to do with as an analyst because he is a number one or number two option. Somebody who is like, clearly very talented, clearly very good, puts up really good numbers. But I can't sit here and say that Ingram is like he doesn't deserve to be in the tier in the same tier as those guys above him. Like he is, he has shown up in in various times. Like the only playoff experience that he really has is the first round series that he had against the Suns back in 2021, and he showed out and he played really really well. Uh, he wasn't perfect in that series, and people would gloss over the bad parts, but for the other parts, he was great. He was awesome. It's a very small sample size, though, and I, I think that he has some proving to do, of course. Uh, the, the Pelicans as a team have a lot of proving to do, and, and maybe that's the reason why it's hard to grade Brandon Ingram, because he hasn't done... Um, like he hasn't been on the floor a ton with Zion Williamson. They haven't been able to develop that chemistry, that camaraderie, and they still have to figure some things out. But I, I think that he's still very talented. He's still very good. On most teams, he would be the second or third option uh, just in terms of, hey, we want you to be a really good uh, second option or third option to whoever the star is. New Orleans is trying to do that, but they're trying to do it with a player who isn't on the floor all the time in Zion. So. We're going to find out. We're going to see what it looks like with him, with Brandon Ingram. But I do think that like, it's not my favorite skill set. He has gotten so much better at it that I think, I mean, obviously he's dangerous, but it's more in that DeMar DeRozan kind of regular season effect than it is in the actual playoffs. But we don't know that because he hasn't been in the playoffs a ton. So we will see. Um, Chris Middleton. I am giving him the benefit of the doubt. He was not the sixth-ranked small forward last year. Like, he just wasn't. 
the injuries, the lack of athleticism, the jumper not working as well, and the defense falling off tremendously. I think that all, I think, four of the next players that I have in this tier are, I think they had better seasons than Chris Middleton did. Of course, Chris Middleton was the second best player on a championship team just two years ago. It wasn't like this was such a long, or it was 2021. It wasn't like it was so long ago that it's forgotten. But this is also just kind of natural decline in a lot of ways. And I, I don't know if, I think he got like three years, 120 million, something like that. Like, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of dough for Chris Middleton. And he, they're going to have to figure that out. They're going to have to see what he can do because he's going to have to prove it. And I think he's going to have to prove it again. Like, he, he should be over Brandon Ingram on this list. Uh, he should be challenging Paul George, frankly, as as they second option, secondary playmaker, somebody who can run some plays in the clutch and really make a lot of uh, impressive shots and passes and uh, do the things that a star needs to do. But he didn't do that last year. And this is purely giving him the benefit of the doubt to say that, look, I believe that you are still that player. You just need some time to get healthy. We will see if that actually comes to pass. DeMar DeRozan comes in at seven. He's good. He is a a very, very good player. He does not fit into what Chicago does, and Chicago does not fit into what DeMar DeRozan needs. Like, I thought they did. I thought it was good, but they don't have the athletic length and athleticism that uh, length and uh, defense, sorry, that worked with Lonzo Ball when he was there. Uh, You have Lonzo, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and then a power forward of sorts, and Nikola Vucevic. And that's that's the formula that was working for Chicago very briefly ever since that beginning of the 2021-22 season where DeRozan was getting some outsider cases for MVP. Uh, it's really come down. It has really lagged behind at that point. And I think if you are looking for that trend, you're probably looking for DeRozan to drop even more. Like I think if you're wanting to build a championship team, then you might even justify some of the players below him. But this is more of a reputation thing as well. And he's still good enough as a first or second option that he probably has to be over the other three guys because, I mean, it just it just makes sense. It, it, dropping him down too low beyond that, I think would be a mistake. Now we will get into... Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter comes in at number eight. Uh, So just to reiterate the top eight players in the small forward category, I have one Luka Doncic, two Jason Tatum, three Jimmy Butler, four Paul George, five Brandon Ingram, six Chris Middleton, seven DeMar DeRozan, and eight Michael Porter Jr. Uh, Some other guys that you may have been looking for on this list, like I mentioned before, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, not Kyrie, uh, Kawhi Leonard. Those guys are power forwards. I will be grading them as power forwards uh, on the next podcast that I do here. Uh, and then there's a couple of players that I still have yet to talk to that I'm I'm putting below Michael Porter because I think that what MPJ did throughout the playoffs and maybe not necessarily from an efficiency standpoint, but just from an all around helpfulness standpoint, went really under the radar. With what Jokic did, with what Murray did, even with what Aaron Gordon did, it, it was Michael Porter, by the way, who was the third option on that uh, playoff roster. It wasn't Aaron Gordon. Gordon dropped down his points to 13.3 points per game. Uh, Michael Porter had two more shots per game. He didn't shoot as efficiently, but he was at 13.4 points per game. But he also averaged 8.1 rebounds, 1.6 assists. And was ultimately just this big athletic target who was able to take advantage of the attention that Jokic and Murray were drawing. I think that he's going to continue to push higher than this. And just looking at those playoff numbers, I'm a little bit reticent to put him above guys like Andrew Wiggins and Ochi Ananobi, who I have ranked 9 and 10. But I do think that this is a good place for him. And I think that this is a 
more of an ode to saying he's going to be better in these upcoming regular seasons and playoffs. And uh, as he continues to distance himself from the season that he missed, the hope is that he continues to push higher and higher. Uh, I argued with this with Matt Moore on Wednesday night's podcast, if you were listening. I think that Michael Porter Jr. is very good. I currently have him ranked as about the 54th, 55th best player in the NBA. And like he deserves, like he absolutely deserves that. And the other guys could be in any order. Like MPJ could have gone 10, could have gone even maybe 11, but I don't think you could have him lower than that. Like he, he's very good. He's very helpful. Number nine, Andrew Wiggins. I think that. Him being out for as long as he was and then only showing up again in the playoffs, it was very weird. Uh, Obviously, he had personal stuff that he was dealing with, and I'm not going to just sit here and bemoan that. But uh, he averaged 17 points, five rebounds, two assists during the regular season, shot a relatively efficient percentage Uh, during the playoffs. He was very good, uh, shot 16.7 uh, points per game, 5.6 rebounds, 1.9 assists, uh, but he only shot 29.7% from three. And there's one other aspect of his game that doesn't really get a lot of credit. 60, 68% from the free throw line is not good. Like He is a career in the playoffs, 65% free throw shooter. That's just not good enough. Like I'm not, I know that it's a smaller aspect of the game, but he isn't good enough at the other aspects of these things to just pencil him in over somebody like Michael Porter, who you know is going to hit those shots when they come to him. Like the actual impact that Andrew Wiggins had as a defender wasn't fantastic. The actual, um, the actual impact of Andrew Wiggins as a scorer and playmaker during the playoffs, not really felt that strongly as well. I think that it's fair to have Michael Porter ahead of Andrew Wiggins. I don't know if that will happen in the coming seasons, but I don't see any reason why this can't be the case. Uh, Wiggins is that traditionally third option, fourth option on a championship team. Porter was the same. And I think you can also go to this guy at 10, OG Ananobi, and say, yeah, that's what's going to happen for OG as well. Uh, a traditional third or fourth option on a championship team. I know that OG wants more of a responsibility than that, and that's one of the reasons why he hasn't been super happy in Toronto. That's why you hear him in trade rumors a ton. They also don't necessarily fit that well. Him, Pascal Siakam, and Scotty Barnes. I have uh, Scotty Barnes also at small forward, so this is tough, and, and I'm kind of breaking my own rules here, but uh, with that particular thing, but I just think that it makes more sense to do it this way. Like, I'm not going to put OG Ananobi as the starting center for the Toronto Raptors, but uh, on most teams, he would be the starting small forward or power forward, and he's very, very good, very, very helpful. Also a role player, and it is very clear that he is not a first or second option. And so if he doesn't have those ceilings, if he doesn't have that impact, then it's all going to come on the defensive end. Defensively, he's great. He's really, really great. And I think it's justifiable to have him over MPJ, justifiable to have him over Andrew Wiggins. Maybe even DeMar DeRozan, if we're being honest. But I still think that he has some proving to do. And he hasn't played a lot of playoff caliber basketball in his career uh, during the time when Toronto won the championship in 2019. OG was sidelined. like He wasn't really available during that point. So the actual number of playoff games that he's played in his career is 27. He's averaged 11 points, 4.5 rebounds, 1.3 assists per game in his playoff career. Last time he was there was a couple seasons ago when he averaged, and it was against the Toronto Raptors, or not against the Philadelphia 76ers, excuse me, averaged 17 points, 4 rebounds, 2.5 assists, and a steal a game. So it was fine. Like he was, he was good, but there's nothing that says that he would absolutely be better. And to me, that's a. It's an important distinction. Like, they're in the same tier. They just are. And it's it's going to be interesting to see how that evolves over the course of these seasons. Real quick before we wrap up, Franz Wagner, Scotty Barnes, Jalen Williams, the uh, 
Thunders, Jalen Williams, rookie Trey Murphy, and R.J. Barrett. I had all five of those guys as the 11th to 15th best small forwards. R.J. Barrett's had his moments. I, I He gets some good stuff. He gets some bad stuff. I think that his actual consistency is a really big issue, and his ability to uh, score efficiently has been pretty questionable throughout this time. And so that's why he has... He has definitely dropped down because he's not that def- he's not the level of defender that some of these other guys are. Franz Wagner's on his way to breaking into the top ten. Scotty Barnes, I think, will like it's going to be interesting to see where he goes and whether he's even going to be a small forward. Like he might play point guard, and on the Raptors, like maybe he defends shooting guards, and so maybe I have to defend how to call him a shooting guard. But he is six foot nine, and he is a very interesting talent. So very curious to see what happens there. And then the two young guys, uh, Jalen Williams and Trey Murphy. I was very, very impressed with them during this last year. And they absolutely deserve a ton of credit on lists like these. They won't get a ton of credit, but I'm putting them at 13 and 14 respectively uh, with the belief that they could actually, they could absolutely rise. I mean, look at that. Look at that list from a, an age perspective. I don't think anybody on that list is over 25, even RJ. Uh, he was drafted in 2019, but he was a pretty young, like he was a freshman out of college when he got drafted. So I think that's going to be very interesting. You have some older guys on this list, like Jimmy Butler, Paul George. Brandon Ingram's only 25, too. Uh, Chris Middleton and DeMar DeRozan. Uh, even Andrew Wiggins now is a little bit older. But uh, all these guys in that honorable mentions category, super young. And I think it's going to continue to evolve like that. And this position will get very strong. There there will be some strength to this position for the next five years or so. Uh, it's going to make a resurgence. It may not feel like the strongest position right now based off of the names that I read out. But there is a good future for this position. And I think it's only going to get better as more players get drafted and more uh, teams continue to invest on the wings. Because... Everybody wants that six foot seven, six foot eight wing. Like that's just what they want. And a lot of these guys represent that in spades. So hopefully that happens. But for now, I think that's going to do it. Uh just kind of going back through the comments here. Um CB says, I see MPJ as more of a true stretch four, more of an evolution to it, but Ultimately, where he could flourish the most, think Ryan Anderson with more athleticism. I think that's fair. And I think that eventually Michael Porter will probably do the same thing that Kevin Durant has done and just transition to power forward pretty consistently. There's some things that Michael Porter has to learn as a small forward, as a ball handler and creator, doing some of those things, taking advantage of the athleticism that he has now. But I think that as his career goes on, him and Gordon are both. 3.5s. I've called them 3.5s for a long time. I think that Gordon has really officially transitioned to the four, but Porter is like he was a true 3.5 because he's an offensive three and a defensive four. So I think that there there is some absolute truth to that for sure. And I like it. I like it. Uh, Victor follows up and says, I think Porter is too small to be a four. He just gets pushed around too much in the post. That just comes from like some of the injury stuff. He's definitely going to get better than that as he gets older. Uh, but more than anything, like it's just grown man strength. And Porter hasn't had his grown man strength. Like He hasn't played a ton of seasons in the league. It's felt like he has. He was drafted in 2018, though. That was five years ago. And so he's just he's got a lot of time. He's got a lot to figure out. And he's missed two of those seasons, from especially from a physically recovery and, and rebuilding standpoint. Like He's missed a lot of time. Uh, that you normally get from that physical development. So I think he'll get stronger. I think he'll get better. Um, Snow Wolf says, I got tickets for ring night already. Hopefully we whip the Lakers. I firmly agree. That would be fantastic. I am looking forward to it. I hope everybody's excited about that one. That should be great. And then Snow Wolf follows up and says, I'm so glad MPJ is healthy again. He's definitely going to get better and better. Uh, that's the That's the hope. I think that MPJ could rise up this list and it won't look so crazy to have him as the eighth small forward on the list. I know I'm, I, I 
when talking to Matt Moore about MPJ last week, I was surprised that he was as vociferous as he was. I think he had him ranked like 72, 74, somewhere around there. I had him ranked like 54, so not uh, anywhere too different, too crazy. But I think there is a very strong possibility that MPJ is in the top 50 officially by the end of this next season. And if he's averaging 20 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, and just playing consistently better defense as one does like as they get older, then there is a reason to firmly believe that he will be in the top five of this list sooner rather than later. Like I'm thinking about it now. Luca will be there. Tatum will be there. Jimmy Butler will still be there. Does Paul George need to be there going forward? Does Brandon Ingram need to be there going forward? Chris Middleton? No. DeMar DeRozan? No. I think that Michael Porter has an absolute, like there's an absolute possibility that he will climb that list. Uh, Whether he can fend off some of the younger guys that are under him, that remains to be seen. But I do think that MPJ, there's a reason to believe in him for sure. So I'm looking forward to it. But for now, I think, folks, I think that is going to do it on this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much for tuning in. I do appreciate all the love on the podcast. Uh, CB follows up with a, a final comment here. Peyton Watson, top 15 by end of season. Uh, that would be hilarious. Imagine, imagine the scenes if Peyton Watson just breaks out and does that. He's got the potential. I don't think it's going to happen immediately, but who knows? Maybe we'll talk about Peyton Watson in the next podcast. We'll just have to see. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Hit that like button on the way out. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. We'll talk to you guys very soon.